Well, hello all. Welcome to another edition of uh, Hockey Circles, first off the bench. Uh, my guest today is uh, born in Nitra, uh, former Czechoslovakia, and uh, grew up in Bratislava, playing his uh, minor hockey there. Um, drafted in the seventh round in 1986 by the Edmonton Oilers. I was very fortunate to have him as uh, my captain for my two years with the Cardiff Devils. And uh, his life has seen him go from being smuggled out of his uh, own country to smuggling produce on the beaches of South Florida, which <laughs> we'll get into later. So uh, without further ado, welcome to First Off the Bench, Mr. Ivan Matulik. Thank you very much, Mike. Cheers, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers. Appreciate I don't think it. you've ever called me Mike before. I, I said not, man. Don't. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, well, for for those who don't know your story, it's uh, uh, just amazing. Um, guys like myself and, and others to have a chance to, you know, take a shot at our dream of, of playing hockey in North America. Basically, we, you know, got an invitation in the mail from whatever team you're with, got your plane ticket, went to camp, you know, pretty standard. Um, for you to even have an opportunity to take a shot at that dream, um, you had to pretty much leave everything you knew behind and uh, quite literally risk your life. Um, just wondering if you could walk us through, you know, sort of that uh, amazing and, and, and terrifying journey um, of, of how you ended up coming to North America. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, um in 1987, uh, 30 plus years ago now, I, uh, I got contacted uh, by uh, um, the guys that used to make a living out of smuggling uh, possible draft choices in, into uh, uh, North America, whether the United States or Canada, um, via one of my teammates who played for the senior national team. Right. Um, and uh, he came back from World Championships and um, talked to me in... in uh, in Canada, in secrecy, saying, "Listen, Edmonton is looking to uh, maybe uh, have you come over if you would be interested." And uh, I jumped at the opportunity. I said, "For sure, I would be interested." Right. So uh, he set up a meeting and gave me numbers for these these guys, and uh, I ended up meeting him in in Hungary uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, it was probably March of two thousand nineteen eighty seven, and uh, at that meeting. I uh, wanted to hear what they have to say, and they said, uh, you know, Edmonton has drafted you, and if you want to come over, there would be a contract waiting for you, and uh, we can facilitate facilitate uh, the uh, the uh, exit, your escape. Right. I said for sure, I'm interested. I'm 18 years old. I'm I'm dumb enough, <laughs> not not seeing the consequences <clears throat> that that could come out of this. So we uh, we uh, 
ended up settling on a date, which uh, uh, was um, 17th of May, 1987, where I was going to come back and uh, meet somebody in Budapest to uh, carry out our sinister plan. Uh, we parted the ways. I went back to Bratislava for uh, a couple more months and uh, kind of kept to myself regarding this, sure. of course. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a big deal. My dad knew. Uh, my mom didn't. My parents were divorced uh, at the early age of mine, so uh, I didn't feel comfortable telling my mom. I felt that she would jeopardize my plan. And right. uh, uh, I was living with her, so it was a little difficult. But when the date came in, I uh, packed my bag and I made up a story uh, that I need to get away to study for my final exams for school. Sure. Uh, and left for Hungary. Uh, I ended up in Budapest, Hungary, um, where I was supposed to meet the guy that's going to take me over to the uh, promised land. And uh, we were supposed to meet at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. 2 o'clock comes, I'm sitting in a uh, meeting spot, which is a restaurant in Budapest, and nobody shows up. Nobody's there. 15 minutes go by, I'm going, oh my gosh, what have I done? Am I set up? Like, what's going on here? Right. A little getting a little freaked out. Not five minutes later, this guy comes in. Not the guy that I spoke to when we had a meeting. Uh, big guy. Big ears. Like, right out of the James Bond movie, man. I'm going, who is this? Comes up and says, uh, you you what? So, ah, I'm Ivan. <laughs> I'm so-and-so. Uh, we're going to take over here and take you over to... Uh, Austria to meet your new team. So okay. So, anyways, we uh, we 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 skipped through a few restaurants. I guess I don't know if they're trying to shake a tail or whatnot. Uh, he gives me some pills, medication. He says, "Take this. It's gonna make you calm." I said, "Okay. I'm I'm this far along. What can what can yeah. go wrong?" So I take it. And uh, after about third restaurant we went into, we go outside, and the car pulls up. It's a diplomatic car, Mercedes, I remember vividly, and uh, I get asked to get in the car. I say, you're not coming? He goes, no, no, you're going with this guy. So, okay, fair enough. I jump in, and off we take off towards the Austrian border. Now, what they forgot to tell me or didn't brief me on was the fact that I'm going to cross the border in the trunk of a car. I figured I'm just sitting in a car. So before we approach the border, there's a, little area where you can turn off and guy turns off to the woods and we uh, end up stopping and or guy was an oriental guy I don't know if it was a Chinese Mongolian I'm not sure what it was mm -hmm. but uh, it was a diplomatic car he comes out opens the trunk and asks me to get in the trunk and I'm looking at him going you know now I'm starting to doubt my decision yeah. Yeah. if I get in the trunk is he what are you going to do to me either way I'm going, I'm this far along, I came back out, I jump in the trunk, he gives me a blanket, he goes, you gotta be very quiet, in about 30 to 45 minutes, you'll be in freedom, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna be okay. Well, and, and uh, like some or many of the, the people that entrusted their safety to these guys to, to get them out of the country, they didn't always reappear, correct? I don't know, I, I really don't know how many guys went this way, uh, I certainly wasn't briefed on the trunk part of it. Yeah, um, I can't see the be a, being a large number of people being smuggled out this way, but uh, 
it certainly was the case in, in, in my situation. No, I'm meaning that, uh, you know, more that they didn't necessarily get to the other end. Like once some of these guys got their money, then... Uh, could be a possibility. I mean, yeah. this guy certainly, not the guy who was driving me, but the guy that I met in Hungary, yeah. in, in Budapest, just about two hours prior to this yeah. uh, timeline, was somebody I would not want to cross. I yeah. mean, it was, uh, these guys were not agents. I mean, th this was a organized crime, whatever it was. Yeah. But it, they got their money, delivered the goods, and if they couldn't, whatever would happen, would happen. I, yeah. mean, I don't think they care much. No. <laughs> yeah. So... Fast forward another 45 minutes, uh, we make it through the border. Uh, at the time, Hungary and Austria had a really relaxed relationship. Hungary was still considered to be a communist country, but not as much as Slovakia or Czechoslovakia at the time. Right. Where you had dogs, uh, barbed wire, and then uh, a lot of security to, to cross that border. Once we are in Austria, they let me out of the trunk. Um, I get in the car, we drive to Vienna, and uh, we meet Barry Fraser, the chief scout from Edmonton. Oh, okay. Who uh, looks at me and uh, verifies that's him. So they go do their business, exchange the money, and uh, they kept. I remember they keeping. They kept my bag with my passport until they got paid. So that was. They disappeared for about ten minutes. Came back. Then I got handed my bag, my belonging, my personal belongings, yeah. and then Barry and I went over off to a hotel, uh, and. I've never seen that guy that dropped us off ever again. Yeah. And neither, neither would be desired to him for for to see me probably yeah. <laughs> or Nate. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that was that was the uh, uh, version, short version of what happened, what transpired, and uh, yeah. it was uh, it was definitely an adventure. Yeah, no doubt. And then, so you arrive in in Edmonton, and you you know put up in a hotel by the Oilers and. If I remember correctly, you know you don't you don't really speak the language yet. You don't know anybody, and you're sitting in a hotel room in Edmonton, Alberta. You know what what's going through your mind at that point? A lot of things, Mike. A lot of things, man. Uh, it's uh, it was sobering because uh, clearly there was a lot of adrenaline involved with the uh, uh, decision of leaving and yeah. how, how that uh, journey was. Uh, but now I'm sitting in Edmonton and uh, Coliseum is not in the most developed area of Edmonton. It's, it's pretty, pretty rough. And I come from a nice town. But yep. Bratislava has a lot of history and uh, yeah, I find myself there realizing that I cannot go back. Right. I mean, I made a decision here and I'm in a hotel. I don't speak a lick of English. I'm hungry. I'm going downstairs. I don't know how to order food. Right. And uh, the team at the time was playing uh, in Philly, game six. So they were coming back two days later. Uh, so for two days, I had a chance to simmer on my decision. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there I was, man. Like it's, it was no way looking back. It, it was time to uh, embrace and uh, just move on. Yeah. 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 Now, I mean, there were a lot of, lot of people in that organization, obviously. A lot of, you know, players that, you know, people know, whatever, um, the guy that ended up uh, sort of befriending you and taking you under his wing um, and, and sort of helping you get acclimated and et cetera was a guy that, you know, to most people, it would probably be kind of a surprising relationship. But it, for us, it kind of, it, it makes a lot of sense. It was, you know, 
big, mean, tough Mike Ware. Um, how did you guys sort of connect? And, uh, you know, what I, I know you've shared a lot of stuff about how Ware's he, you know, helped you and, and sort of, you know, took care of you in some respects. But how did that friendship develop? Well, after uh, team came back from Philly, they ended up winning the game seven and I was, of course, involved with all the celebrations and sure, they, yeah. they, they took me along and I uh, <laughs> might have uh, screwed up my career for rest of the uh, times, but uh, I didn't see what took place to get to that stage. Right. Uh, however, about a week or 10 days after the, the cup was won, most of the guys took off to their hometowns and uh, places where they spent the summer. And I stayed in Edmonton. Uh, and then in mid-summer, Edmonton always had a development camp where all the prospects come in and... Uh, uh, have a one week together, get together before the real camp starts in September, October. And the Mike was part of the development camp. Right. And uh, clearly my English wasn't very good. And Mike has a big heart. I mean, yeah. as, as tough as he is and, and mean as he can be, like down deep, he's a really good person. And uh, he saw this guy here with 30 other guys that doesn't speak any English and doesn't feel like he belongs and he sort of you know kind of took ownership of me he, yeah uh, he uh we ended up going out for 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 dinner and talking about music and with my limited english and had a couple laughs and uh uh he really took me under his wing yeah. and uh that's basically was our first meet and uh our the relationship developed from that point on right we met again in the real, the real camp and uh end up getting sent down to the minors, uh, to the Nova Scotia Oilers in Halifax, right. became roommates, and uh, it was just wonderful to have somebody on your on your flank that uh, you knew you could uh, look up to and also uh, is going to look up to and introduce you to the way of life and, and, and help you. Right, right. And you ended up playing with Wersey on, on several occasions, you know, in, in the American League and in, in, again, in Cardiff, which we'll touch on later and everything, but... Uh, um, that first year, I know uh, my my last guest on on first off the bench was the legendary Mick Lakota, and we had a, uh, a good little chat about his uh, events during a, a preseason game um, in regards to <clears throat> excuse me an incident that took place with the Red Line Patrol, and your very first game in professional hockey. You had an incident with Mr. Vic Vakoda on Red Line Patrol, even though you didn't know you were patrolling the Red Line at the time. Brother, I back. I, I, I watched Mick's uh, interview podcast that you had, and yeah. I had immediately started chuckling because I was uh, I, I had a part to play in one of these incidents of hi, I'm Mick Vakoda. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was a, our very first game, uh, home game, against Springfield Indians and, 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 and Mick was playing for clearly for the Islanders farm team. Yeah, and you were with Nova I'm Scotia, with Nova Scotia Oilers. Oilers. Yeah. This is the first pro game and uh, to me there's so much new. I mean, I I uh, didn't know that you can you don't have to wear a helmet for the warm-up. I'm thinking it's the coolest thing ever. Oh yeah, that was I'm best. I'm out there getting ready in the mirror, slicking my hair, you know, and get out in the warm-up and I'm, nobody sent me the memo about the red line, by the way. So the, Avoid the red line. It's it's yeah. a dead zone. Yeah. So I'm in there, like a little seal pup in a red triangle, just 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 skating around, kicking pucks, shooting pucks around, and sure enough, out of the blue, 
boom, I get pummeled from behind. I get up, look up, and I see this guy. Hi, I'm Mick Vokora. <laughs> Not in those nice terms. Yeah. I get, uh, what do you do? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm looking up. This guy's a full-grown man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just turned 19. Right. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Why? Is this really necessary? <laughs> Anyways, Buha and Suze, and I, I get up. There's some pushing and shoving, and uh, it gets broken up. Nothing happens, and uh, uh, I go back to the dressing room. And it was the first uh, wake wake up moment for me. I, I realized at that moment, I don't have to change my way of thinking to survive in this doggy uh, dog league and world of what I entered. Right. Uh, so Mick, if you're watching this, I don't know if you are. Thank you <laughs> for waking me up. Anyways, uh, my roommate, of course, comes to my aid. He ends up fighting uh, Mick in the first shift, and then game goes on and yeah. moves on. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a very uh, very good experience, eye opening, and I took a memo from that point on. Yeah. Make sure I don't cross the red line because yep. it could cause issues. Yes, as we know. Yes, as you would know more yes. than anybody. Yes, <laughs> and well, and we, you know we were chatting earlier too. Like back then, that was still you know American League, IHL, NHL. That was still the Wild West. Like every team had you know four or five legitimate sort of heavyweights and then a supporting cast and um you really had to like you said you had to know know the rules because they would get pointed out in a hurry and i think it was uh, was it later that year or the following year that you had uh, uh, decided that you were going to chirp one of the toughest guys at the time unknowingly sort of but uh, kenny baumgartner uh, you got a great yeah, story about yeah. that well, as, as it goes, after Mick woke me up to welcome me to the North American hockey, I uh, started to get uh, more confident and uh, realized that in order to have any room out there on the ice, you need to answer uh, hit with the hit and chirp with the chirp. And uh, I was making progress and eventually uh, come about December time, we're playing Fredericton and uh, I end up fighting a guy that uh, is just a step above me in level of, of Low, love the low. I'm the European, 19 year old European in, in the AHL tough league, and uh, Ian Kidd was playing for Fredericton, right. and he came out of college. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if Ian was a tough kid or not, but uh, we end up having a fight. I don't know if you can call it. I've never seen the fight on the, on the tape. Probably threw some See pillows for, yeah. for 45, 30, 40 seconds, and come to the bench, and I get great job, Ivan. You know, like you really went for it, so. My confidence grew, and from this point on, I'm I'm, I'm bona fide tough guy. I'm, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm Ivan, I'm Ivan Matulik, big. <laughs> so, season goes on, and uh, late in the season, I think it was like March. We had one of those beautiful trips that you were blessed to experience in AHL, where you yes. head out down south and uh, play about nine games in ten nights. Yeah. So we played. The, the Rochester, the Utica, the Binghamton, the, you know, we, we go and bus. And those were all probably all really nice, fun games. Oh, yeah. Somehow I, I, I made it through and unskated. But uh, anyways, we end up in New Haven and uh, we're, we're playing. This is the last game of that sweep. And the game is very uneventful, I, I, as you would expect. I mean, we just played eight games or seven games in 10 nights. And... Uh, I decided that it's time to spark it up. So I, I'm looking around. And at this point, I'm not reading programs. I don't know. I learned after this game, 
to pick up the program before the game to see who is who in the zoo. Yes. But not before this game. So I'm skating around. I see this guy skating around. I look at the name, Bob Garner. That sounds German or, you know, maybe a European. Has Jofa, good-looking kid. Not too big. He's not like he's 6'5 or something. Jofa. That is my guy. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> so we light up on a face-off and I start tripping the guy. And uh, he's looking at me going, probably, who, who, who is this clown? <laughs> and I go, I'll kill you. What do you want? What? Anyways, he, he's just shaking his head. goes, kid, get lost. I uh, somehow get lucky. He doesn't swat me or we don't get you know, engaged. Yeah. I come back to the bench. Now I'm feeling 6'4", 230. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the man. I sit on the I sit on the bench and I see uh, Lou Crawford, Lou Doc, who is one of our uh, tough guys, getting up and shuffling himself over towards me. Sits next to me and looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, Lou Doc, I'm intimidating. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us going. Well, stop it. With that guy, stop it, okay? Lou Doc just fired about six guys in sure, the last six yeah. games. Yeah. And he's just happy with the things that were going. He yeah. doesn't need to have a meeting with... Uh, with Bonner. Unlike me, he does read the program probably because yeah. who am I going to meet tonight? Who am yeah. I have an interview with or, or meeting yeah. with? Yeah. So he makes it very clear to me that that is not the guy I should be sending message to. And then uh, uh, I had a chuckle later on because of sure. I escaped probably a good beating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a bomb, bomber story. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No, it's... Uh, it's always good to to know who's who in the zoo. <laughs> who's who in the zoo? Yeah. Believe in me, I start reading the programs after that. <laughs> yes, yes, as I'm sure you would. And uh, yeah, well, you played you know six years and between the A and the I back then, and you know lots of lots of tough guys that that you've you know played with and against. And uh, uh, what are a couple other memorable tilts? I know you you know because you were. I always respected you. You know, you were never afraid to stick up for your teammates or stick up for yourself. And you dropped the gloves when you when you felt it was necessary. And I'm sure a couple times, you know, there's guys that you thought you could have made better choices on. Well, if we fast the clock forward a couple of years or two or three years later, I'm uh, we uh, were I, I now signed with Nordiques. And uh, once again, I get sent down to the minors. That's where I belong, really, let's face it. So I'm in Halifax, and we're playing uh, Adirondack. I'll give you a story where I, I don't have many stories where I won. So I'll give you the ones that didn't look too good. This is one of them. So this is all about honesty. It's honesty. Show. It's honesty. <laughs> so we're playing Adirondack, and uh, game is getting pretty chippy, and I'm on the ice. And I think Chris Tansel, one of the top players, good player, and feisty. Gives me hack in the calves, and uh, of course I had a. My temper was pretty short. I couldn't really. I didn't have a skill set to back it up. No, you were an intense, intense guy I, I, out I, there. I, I was intense. Yeah. So I, I start chasing him around. God, I kill him. I do this. I do this. That to you. So he's just skating around, skating off to the bench, and jumps on the bench. On comes this guy. Over the board, not too big, and says, "I'll be your huckleberry." So I'm seeing right at this point, I would have taken a beating from Probert. I mean, I, I just, you know, it didn't yeah. really matter. So I go, sure, let's go. And uh, immediately, within first two or three seconds, I knew I made a mistake because as we lock on, I can't move my left arm, right arm. I go, I don't know if you had handcuffs on him, 
but I'm convinced to this day, <laughs> this guy named Kirk Tomlinson, I'm sure he has three arms because <laughs> as I cannot move my arms, there is another arm coming at my head <laughs> like a jackhammer. And you could hear the pin drop in the, in the whole arena. This is a oh, home game. I was at home. This is a home game. And luckily, I'm, I have about an inch or two on, on the guy, so I lock my arms out, and the fist is ending exactly about an inch away from my face. But people around don't know that. I mean, they don't see it. So this goes on for probably about 15, 20 seconds, and then each time I try to do anything, I can't. While he has a free, I don't know, he has a free well, third arm. Kirk, you did have a third arm, I'm sure. <laughs> so as 20 seconds go by, I, there's no hope for me. So I'm looking, ref, get in here. So as they get in, I throw in one cheap shot. I have to get something in there. And off we go to the box, family boxes. I'm sure he's chuckling himself. He just it had a highlight reel of, of a speed bagging, dummying somebody, and that was me. Luckily, I didn't get hurt because yeah. there was no one mark on me. Yeah. In fact, I may have, with my cheap shot, I might have got in there and he got marked. So guys started to come by the penalty box and, you know, depositing the glove, glove, helmet, and each one of them comes by, you all right, You're right. man? <laughs> you, you okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm agitated because I know I just got dummied out there. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm, I'm just leave me alone. But anyways, make a long story short, I fought a guy with three arms and I inspired <laughs> the team because Chris Simon didn't fight their tough guy and Sergio Roberge fought somebody else yeah. and game turned into a, a pretty intense game. Yeah. But uh, certainly I'm glad this, this fight is not circulating in any of the YouTubes or anything else because yeah. it was not pretty. Yeah, that's uh, the, you never want to fight a three-armed man. It, does, it just doesn't matter who it is, but... No, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, he might be the only guy, but he yeah. is, yeah. certainly. Now, <clears throat> you came out of that unscathed, but uh, uh, I think it was the same year in Halifax or maybe the next year, you actually uh, were struck in the face, I believe, with a shot and uh, lost a piece of your face, and that was found in a snowbank and returned to the hospital to be reattached. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's actually. I didn't make any. Uh, we, head, we don't make this stuff no, up. This is, this is this is a true story. It wasn't a shot, and uh, it actually secured my f name in the history of hockey. I, I know that it's in a book. It's in some some clippings. So I didn't make any impact on NHL in any way, shape, or form. But losing piece of my nose had cemented me as a as a piece of history in hey. North American hockey, yeah. yeah. We're playing a Boston farm team in uh, in Maine. And uh, there was a scramble, a scramble in front of a net, uh, Providence net, like the Maine, Maine's name. Mm -hmm. and, and anyways, the puck was loose, it was a huge brouhaha, and John Bice was coming in from the blue line. Now, I don't know till this day whether he did it on purpose or just tripped. He ends up flying in and his button ends up catching my nostril right right and that's what rips my nose off so i go down it was not very pleasant class you can imagine i don't know but i felt like my nose got broken i don't know what it is so i fell down um i'm on the goal line i'm trying to get up and as i'm getting up i remember vividly there was a fence you know how there when there is a fight or there's yeah. on a glass and i see this girl behind the glass looking at me and just looking and then fainting. So I go, okay, this could be good. And I look down, there's a puddle of blood. Trainer runs on, looks at me, puts towel on my head immediately. We got to leave the ice. So we off we go. Yeah. Um, 
we go into the medical room and uh, as I'm lying on a table, the doctor's looking at me saying, huh, how, how, would you, how would you get all that skin missing? Uh, you know, how is that gonna heal? And I could see him talking to himself. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah, really good. Just so that's, a great, that's what I hear on the table. I think Matt Harvey, was playing for him for for uh, uh, the Boston Phantom at the time. Yeah, he, he yeah, comes by so. to check on me as well, which was cool. I mean, he was uh, playing for a position. Yeah. He looks at me, goes, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> so he disappears. So now I'm now I'm curious. Now I go, what's going on? Yeah, let me look. So I go and I look in the mirror, and I see a, a split from my lip to here, and piece of my nose is missing. So I'm looking at it, going, okay, I. Uh, see that it's bad but how is this gonna heal i'm gonna be a freak so i go i look at the doctor said shouldn't we go look for the skin great idea off back they go on the ice looking for the skin of course since then the eyes got scraped uh that piece of nose end up in a in a zamboni dump not in a zamboni as the story says and they bring it back we'll put it in a you know cup of ice yeah. worst thing you can do and it was i think it was pretty shocking to everybody that what, what played out so even doctor didn't make a right decision yes yeah. you shouldn't be putting a piece of skin on the ice it's a, it's gonna cause frostbite sure we end up going to hospital and boston uh sent their plastic surgeon over to the hospital he arrived about an hour later and they were able to reattach the piece of skin on my nose took about 80 to 90 stitches and uh wow uh, he did a fantastic job, and uh, clearly I was sent off the trip back home. And, yeah. uh, walked around Halifax with Balaclava for quite a while. Yeah, no so, doubt. No doubt. Yeah. How Ivan lost his nose. And found it. Yes, yes. Yeah. No. So, your pro career so far, you've um, established yourself as a redline menace. You've... <laughs> chirped one of the toughest guys in hockey you've fought a three-armed man and uh lost part of your face i've been busy man i've been busy yeah yeah that's an interesting already um during that sort of whole period you're you're still getting acclimated to north america and and so you know di- different parts of the the customs and norms or you're still kind of adapting so um I believe there is a story where at the end of one of your first years, you and Wersey decided to go for a nice vacation in in Florida. Um, apparently, there was a bit of a uh, um, a dress costume issue there. Where easy the costume? Come on, man. <laughs> Long story short. Where's he went to the beach and you met him there afterwards, correct? So yeah. if you could just you elaborate, on, from there? elaborate yeah. on when you actually arrived at the beach and uh, yeah, without further ado. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, growing up in Czechoslovakia, Florida was the place, you know. So after our first year pro ended, I leave for Edmonton. Mike's, of course, from Toronto, so he stays in Toronto with his family. And I call him up, say, Mike, I mean, I always wanted to go to Florida. You want to come meet me in Florida? Mike goes, sure. I guess his family used to go on vacations down there anyways. Oh, okay. So we decided, yeah, sounds like a plan. I'm going to fly in from Edmonton. He's going to drive down from Toronto and we vacation in Florida. So uh, we put the plan in the place and uh, 
I'm getting ready for my trip. So I go, I should, this should have been first warning sign, should have been my shopping trip, getting ready for the trip. I'm in Bay in Edmonton, or Eaton's or whatever it was, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking up my bathing suit. And as happy as I can be, and I pick up this Speedos, beautiful. I mean, I'm, come, I'm from Europe. That's what you wear over there. The skinner the Speedos, the, the better. <laughs> and I should have known, because when I'm buying them, these girls start chuckling when, I, when I'm coming to the register already hey, and was the fact know. that they were in a locked cage and you had to ask for them <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably yeah something like that <laughs> so i'm uh, most important piece of my my luggage is ready locked in i'm ready so i fly down we uh we meet uh in orlando and head off to daytona beach hotel we book in and uh i get my gear on and we start heading to the beach so I'm as excited as you can be, you know, Florida. Here we are, the sandy beaches and smell of the salt in the, in, in the air, plus 30. I'm skipping around the beach and I'm going, where's Mike? And I see Mike about 40, 50 yards behind me just kind of dragging his feet. I'm like, come on, Mike, in my broken English. Mike, come on. So he doesn't say anything. He's just following me. And uh, about five minutes into the charade, he goes, Matulik. Time out, come here. <laughs> so I come in, he goes, what's up, Mike? He goes, what's that? <laughs> I go, what's what? <laughs> that, the grape smugglers. Why are you smuggling grapes? <laughs> so, so I look, I go, what do you mean? And he's got, of course, the shorts down to his knees. Yeah, surfer shorts, board shorts. And he goes, look around, who is wearing that? <laughs> of course, nobody was wearing those, so... Uh, Point taken, Mike. Give me a second. I, off I go to the nearest kiosk with the uh, with the bathing suits, and uh, here they come, pajamas, almost uh, shorts. And uh, oh. from that point on, the next three weeks were more enjoyable for him. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I gotta say, you're you're you know you're a quick learner. You know, once something <laughs> gets pointed out, it's. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, you. I'm just I'm glad it was Wersey and not me. That's I'm very thankful for that. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody would be. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I gotta so. say he handled it pretty well. Like that's you know he was he gave you the time out and he didn't just you know. Yeah, he gave me the room to realize it, but I didn't. I wasn't catching on. He goes, yeah. "That's when he had to call in the meeting, the team meeting, team meeting." <laughs> this guy's not getting it. He, K- he's kangaroo he's court. Have, yeah. yeah, he's ready for three weeks of speedo yeah. exposure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, well, like I said, you played six years North America, mm-hmm. and then you ended up going over to uh, to the UK uh, to play, but um, that didn't really kind of transpire like, uh, you know, a normal transition. You, you kind of thought maybe your career was, was done at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh the the summer before I I mean before I went end up in Europe yeah I uh, just finished my two year contract with Nordiques and I played two years in the in the farm team uh, I was uh, kind of fed up with with the fact there was no call ups and uh, largely due to myself really I mean everybody's master of their master of their own destiny and uh, uh, maybe I didn't do as much as I could to, to get there so I end up signing uh, a professional triad in Milwaukee. Milwaukee had a really good team. They had a beautiful arena. Mm-hmm. Bradley Center. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I ended up flying down there and uh, tried to make the team of uh, as, as a walk-on. And uh, 
they had a really good team. They, they were paying really good money. That's what I was saying. I figured if I'm going to be playing in the minors, I might as well be earning some money. As you know yourself, American Hockey League and IHL were carrying huge contracts. But I, in IHL Milwaukee at the time was the team that was paying fair money. And mm-hmm. I figured, you know, maybe I should, I would be able to land a job. It never turned out that way. I, uh, the team, team had a lot of guys with the same idea and the good right. players. And I guess they didn't see that my skills were going to benefit the team. And I got cut. So... Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm on a crossroads of my career. I, my dream of playing in NHL is kind of disappearing, you know, disintegrating in front of my own eyes. And I don't want to go down to East Coast Hockey League or or lower levels that uh, I played in, in AHL and IHL. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really disillusioned and, and confused of what, what's next. Uh, so I end up reaching out to Mike, who already was had made the move uh, after injuring his knee he ended up in Britain with Tony Hand fantastic guy yeah and, yeah. yeah player uh, and I called him up I said listen I'm gonna come visit I'm, I'm, I'm done I got cut and he goes come on down here maybe uh, maybe we'll get a job here so I said sure enough okay so off I go I fly over to uh, uh, Edinburgh where he was playing right and uh, we shock up as we did before and Everything seems good, and um, he's trying to pitch my services to teams around the UK. His team was loaded. Tony and him. Uh, there was a couple other imports on the team that were really good. Rocky Saganya was the coach. They were set, so I didn't feel like really infringing on that dynamic there. And yeah, because they were only allowed a certain amount. Yeah, of at, at the time, and, exactly. Yeah, they only yeah. had three imports per team. Right. So I'm sitting in Mike's apartment and kind of coming to watch his games and. Mike had made some phone calls around the league. I'm getting no bites. I uh, I was there for at least two weeks. And then my first phone call came from a guy named Chuck Taylor who was coaching in Telford, Canadian guy. And uh, I'm frustrated. He calls and starts asking me questions. How big are you? I'm 6'2", six 6'1", six one, one and a half. What, what do you weigh? I'm 210 pounds. Can you skate? Yeah, I'm a pretty good skater. Can you score? Now I'm going... Where is this headed? I mean, the question you're asking me, if I did all of this, I would be making $2 million in NHL. (laughs) There's a reason why I'm here. So I got frustrated. I said, dude, listen, I don't know what you're looking for. I think Marc Messier is signed for next next few years. So so that phone call ended right there. And uh, I was really starting to realize that the reality was that I'm done. And the the hockey career, as as we speak, is is coming to an end. Right. then, out of the blue, I get a phone call from uh, Sir Alex Dampier, a Canadian coach and player that had moved over to UK years ago and became a huge, huge uh, part of uh, development of hockey in, mm-hmm. in, in UK. And he was coaching Sheffield, Sheffield Steelers at the time. And Sheffield had Ron Shudra, who was with me in Edmonton's in Edmonton, farm team, right. and, and Selmer Oldline. Oh, yeah. So those okay. two guys I played with my rookie year. Yeah. Uh, and they might have told Alex, you know, maybe have a look at this guy. We haven't seen him for five years, but he played in the AHL. Maybe he can play still. Yeah. So Alex calls me and says, I'd like to have a look at you. I'd like to talk to you. So I board the train from Edinburgh, go down to Sheffield with my skates and a, and a stick. That's all I had. And Alex picks me up at the airport, at the train station, hits me, takes me over to the ice ring, and they had a practice. We skate. 
he kind of feels me out on, on the way there and maybe he felt I'm, I'm, I'm a decent enough guy to give me a shot to skate. Sure. After the skate ends, he pulls me uh, pulls me to the side. He goes, you got a team? I go, really? He goes, yeah, I'll give you a shot. And we settled on a contract very quickly. It was, I was just happy to continue my career. I didn't know if it was going to be for the rest of that year or it was going to go any further. Mm-hmm. So Sheffield Steelers organization and Alex Dampier in particular were instrumental in, 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 in the fact that I was able to continue with, with hockey and, yeah. and enjoy uh, the hockey for the next 12 years to come. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I never really had a lot of interaction with him personally. Obviously, he was coaching when, when we were in Cardiff, but I've heard nothing but great things about him. Um, and obviously, like you're saying, he was the one that sort of gave you that second chance for your career, and you went on to play 12 years over there. Very grateful. Uh, Alex, if you get to watch this, I don't know, but... Uh, Thank you very much. I mean, it uh, really meant a lot to me at the time, and it uh, certainly extended my career and gave me the opportunity to uh, to enjoy our, our, our trade for yeah. a longer. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, so you, you played in Sheffield and, you know, a few other teams. Um, we ended up together in Cardiff in 97 and 98, I guess it was, uh, where Z had, had gone from Cardiff to Sheffield, and I went to Cardiff. Um, one thing that struck me, because I, when I came over, I didn't even really realize, you know, that they had the level of hockey that they had. Um, the thing that struck me was the fans. You know, the fans that, that were there were as rabid as any fans you'd get anywhere in North America. Um, some rinks like Manchester, you'd get the, you know, 12, 15 or in playoffs, 17,000 fans. Some of the other rinks had only sat two or three thousand. Well, that's what you'd get. But the support that that was there and stuff was was unbelievable. But also the players that were there, I was really surprised at the level of play. You had you know guys like like Tony Hand, like Frank Caprice, uh, you know Jamie Leach, Kenny Hodge. You know, um, what were some of your favorite memories or some of you you know from that that sort of era when we were there in Cardiff of of, of the team or or uh, specific, you know, other than, you know, we won the championship the last year and, you know, that must have been a great thrill as, as a captain. But what were some of your memories of, of playing in Cardiff? Well, Cardiff really became my spiritual home. I I, I, I was I, not maybe knowing, I was looking for a place where I would feel at home and I would want to give my heart out for the team. And then that team became... Uh, and the city and, 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 uh, and the Wales itself became a place where I really got attached to and I, I felt that I got treated really extremely well. Yeah. From management side to fans and, and friends. I still have friends in, in, in Cardiff, Wales as we speak and uh, it is a, it is a, it earned a spot in my heart I will never forget. It was, right. it was, it was a beautiful era of my time. Uh, one of my favorite memories of professional hockey in Cardiff along winning championship was your arrival. I knew, I knew I, somehow I knew you were going to go to this. It is because, it, I mean, we both played long time. I, I played 18 years professionally, but your arrival in Cardiff and, and what entailed, what happened uh, at the first practice is one of my absolute favorite memories of my career, man. Well, I'm Do glad you recall? I, I vaguely remember it, yes, yes. Okay, well, but, let me refresh your memory. Sure, yeah, yeah. So when I learned that you came on board, 
we only had in- interactions via being opponents. And uh, one summer, I met you through Mac, McKenna McLaurin. Yep, in, yeah, yeah, who was my briefly. roommate in St. John's. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I'm going, guys, we got a Michael, Mike, where's he left? But we got a guy coming in. We're safe. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pumped. Everybody's pumped. You show up. The first practice. I don't know why. Paul Heavey, Heaves, what were you thinking? <laughs> this has this drill that is like a mid-season drill. I love you, Heaves. It's all good. Uh, where we have to go 17 different areas. You need the GPS that they know where to go. <laughs> it was only one thing. Only one outcome is going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. So yeah. you're yeah, the drill. Cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> this man. So we're flying. Everybody's trying to still impress each other. And then, uh, of course, the drill is so confusing. You end up getting cranked by Corey Mullen. Yeah. In the middle of the ice. Oh, I, could, yeah, I, didn't, I, I didn't see it. I just heard. Oh, neither did, neither did I. Yeah, I didn't okay. see it either. But I heard that, 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 that awful thump. You know, like when you get hit against the boards, usually you brace yourself. It hurts, yeah. but it's not bad. But open yeah. ice heads, especially if you don't expect them, are yeah. awful. So I heard this, boom, this thud. I go, what was that? And I see you and Mullen on, on the ice, you getting up, shaking your head. And I could see the anger. I go, oh, oh, this guy's angry. But you shook yourself, you know, you stood up, you shook yourself off. Because I'm, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm a soldier. I'm, I'm going to shake it off. I'm all good. So practice goes on for another five minutes or so. Maybe five Oh, minutes. maybe, maybe less. I don't know. <laughs> and you're standing in the corner waiting to do another drill. Minding my own business. Minding your business. And Steve Thornton comes around. This one I see in the plain view. And I go, oh, my God, this is, this is happening. So Stevie loses his wheel, blows the tire, and starts sliding right towards the corner where you're standing. I go, oh no. I see a bowling ball heading towards the pin. And once again, you're oblivious to because you're looking this way, yeah. waiting for a drill. I'm, yeah. The contact happens, you get, like, your feet get taken out. I go, oh, boom, land on your back. I go, this is no good. He is gonna be out for, for two months or he's gonna be really, really mad. So out for two months didn't happen, thankfully, but really mad you got. So as you're getting up, I see a stick chopped in half and a tomahawk <laughs> into the stands and you skating off. And everybody's frozen because that's a, that, that's a Kate Danimal. Don't touch him. Don't talk to him. Nothing. So you disappear into the dressing room. And uh, we're all like, okay, now what? He, he's gone. So he comes to me because I'm the captain of the team, I think, at the time. Yeah. He goes, dude, you should go get him. I go, me? <laughs> Why me? You go get him. You sign him. Because <laughs> I'm not going in there. <laughs> so, so we'll let the pressure diffuse a little bit. About five minutes or ten minutes later, you end up coming back out. Yep. And uh, later on, we had a discussion about the whole incident. Had a good laugh about it. But there was no way I was going in there after what I just saw happen to you and how angry you were. Yeah. That tried to convince you to come back out. So. That's well, one I think, of my favorite memories. I mean, it, it, there there was a bit of anger, but I think mostly it was embarrassment. You know, it's my my first practice, and <laughs> Mullen rocks me. You know, it just basically almost KOs me. I'm trying to get my bearings and just mind my own business. And then when Thorny took my legs out, you know, like you said, I didn't didn't see him coming or anything. So I was basically, I think what happened was I was in the dressing room and not only trying to actually, you know, regain my senses and, my, and, and make sure that I hadn't blown my knee out, but 
I don't think I had any sticks. I think I had one stick or whatever. So Taffy was, you know, frantically searching for a <laughs> stick for this idiot that's, you know, just stormed off the ice or whatever. So, yeah, that was that was an awesome first practice. Yeah, yeah I still was, see it as it as it happened, man. It was, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, Thank well, you. and I still remember the look in Thorny's face because I think I, I I broke my stick over the glass just slightly above his head. You know, like it was it, I wasn't swinging at, at you, Thorny, like it, you know. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. That no, was, that's that okay, was, brother. You you I've done all that for two years or three years. You were there with us, man. And uh, yeah, that was many uh, times over. Uh, you did fantastic job for us, uh, keeping us safe, man. Thank yeah, you. that was a that was a, a great bunch of guys. But yeah, I made it through that one. But uh, yeah, I didn't didn't see that story coming. I was. Uh, thinking more of of some of the other ones but yeah that was that was interesting but going to what you were saying about you know some of the people that you're still friends with and stuff other than the players I know one guy that we're we're both very close with and we you know because we both enjoyed music is is Martin uh, Martin Joseph who I was fortunate after my career I did a couple tours with him doing sound for him and stuff but I know you've been to you know, countless, countless concerts of his and, and, you know, are very close with him as well. And those are the people that you just, outside of the hockey stuff, like that's the cool stuff where you actually, you know, we're both friends with him till to this day. And whenever he's touring in Vancouver or whatever, we always try and get out to the shows and, you know, stuff like that is kind of a highlight. hundred percent. I mean, uh, along with Martin, who is a, I, I, I consider Martin one of my great friends and and role models. I mean, the, the guy is a talented musician with the heart of gold. Yeah. The amount of time he spends on, on uh, um, uh, generating money and, and raising money for good causes uh, is, is uh, mind-boggling. And uh, I'm very fortunate we, uh, we struck a friendship and yeah. I was fortunate enough to, to be his... Uh, his uh, acquaintance in, over the years in Cardiff, and we're still in touch now. And yeah. I, I, I uh, really, really uh, respect him and, and appreciate his friendship. Yeah. Well, and in addition to you know decades of of recording and touring, and you know, I mean, he's toured with Art Garfunkel and Celine Dion, and the list goes on and on. But uh, it, the the charity that he uh, has has formed the Let Yourself Trust. I think they've donated something close to half a million pounds in in you know uh, five or six years or whatever with work in places like Brazil and Palestine. You know, building schools or building you know uh, women's shelter. Like it's just the stuff that that he's done. And I think he plays some. It's something ridiculous. It's like two hundred or two hundred fifty shows a year. He does. You know, you think our schedule is tough? Is he's just a it's incredible it's incredible yeah. it's inspiring and uh, yeah. I don't know how he finds the energy but uh, clearly there's only few men like him around that, that are willing to spend that time and energy and uh, go beyond way beyond the line to, to better the world yeah. so to speak right? yeah. I mean I'm, I'm not one of them I'm sorry <laughs> um, I think I'm fair man but Guys like Martin are the ones that make a difference. And uh, uh, Martin, if you're watching this, he, all your work is well, very he, much appreciated. He better be. He better watch all of them. Yeah, <laughs> love you, man. Yeah, yeah no, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one one other thing that um, and 
you know, I'm sure a lot of people probably don't know about it, and it might be a little bit of a touchy subject, but I, I think it's something that, you know, probably is a good thing to to bring out. I think, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of a sickness. I, I don't know, but what's the deal with you and watches? I love watches. Watches and running shoes were my weak point, man. I mean, I, I grew Dude, up in Texas. how many day. watches do you have? Not that many anymore, but I uh, I used to buy watches, like it was my hobby. I I could not help myself, and I like not nothing expensive, never Rolex or, or Cartier. But if if there was a watch I liked and it was you know under hundred bucks or around there or less, I and I liked it, it was coming home with me. And I, I and at your height, how many did you own? Ah. Uh, there had to be lots, man. I mean, there must have been 30, 40 watches. I got rid of them as they, they were, you know, breaking down and stuff, but there was there was a lot of watches. And I tried to give them away too. You know, I if I was ever got tired of a watch, I go, here, dude, have this one here. And sure. I'm done with it. But sure. uh, yeah. Now, you also did, if I remember correctly, because when we played together, the league was actually called the Seconda Super League and it was sponsored by Seconda and the watches. Um, if I remember correctly, you did some commercials oh, for Seconda. I sure did. Yeah, I I don't know if they knew. I don't think they knew, but uh, I was one of the you know guys that was uh, performing in the, in the league year in year out. So mm-hmm. they picked me to be their their poster guy. Yeah. And boy, did I ever hear about that? <laughs> well, and you can you know you can fess up here because you know this is it's this is the you know it's all truth here. So. The second ads like that had that, that look was blue steel, was it not? <laughs> <laughs> it was blue steel, you know. It uh, I really mustered all I got. That might have been before blue steel came out. So yeah, you might. I invented the some, blue steel. You might be do some royalties, man. Yes, I should be. I, I'm gonna contact actually. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. The Hollywood and, and the makers of the blue steel. Look, yeah. Because no, I'm that, the original blue steel guy. That was a good luck. Uh, good. Good luck and. Uh, yeah, well, you were uh, you did a lot of promotional stuff in the UK. Like it wasn't just the Seconda stuff. There were some some other ads you did and whatever. But uh, that one to me was was memorable. That whole campaign. And yes, you did take a lot of ribbing. For oh that. boy, I mean that that got me going. If a game was lame, all I needed to hear was Metulik, nice face. <laughs> of course, there was uh, yeah. there was something that uh, wasn't gonna be left alone. I'm, I was okay with it. Man, it, yeah. it, was, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. no, there's worse things you can get ribbed about than, you know, being asked to do an, an ad campaign. So, hey, good on you. Seconda. Yeah, so... That's his boulevard. Playing career, you know, wraps up and, and you've actually moved back. You're living here for the last, you know, several years. But how long, how long has it been now since you've been living in around, around Vancouver? Well, I've uh, been around for about 15 years now. Yeah. yeah. I uh, wrapped up my career in Italy. I think it was a 2005 season. Mm-hmm. I moved to, moved to Vancouver uh, with my uh, wife, Kelly. Yeah. She's, uh, she was from here, from the, this area. And uh, yeah, so I've been living in Vancouver area for last 15 plus years. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so now you're manager at, uh, at Key West Ford, I believe, and... Yeah, I'm fortunate enough. I uh, entered as soon as the hockey ended. I didn't spend time in school, in university, as you should. Kids stay in school. <laughs> yeah. I uh, uh, was looking 
for a job right away because I, I was still fit enough to play, but I knew that the love for the game had expired. So Kelly uh, urged me, you know, maybe try to get a job. And I got into car sales because her friend, her, one of her good friends, girlfriend's uh, boyfriend at the time was uh, running one of the car stores, Honda in Vancouver. And that was my introduction to the industry. So I started selling cars yeah. and I stuck with it, you know, with the great support of Kelly because uh, it's a big, big, big change in what you do for life. For yeah, living, no right? I mean, uh, yeah. how you earn your living, going from professional hockey to uh, now being on the floor, trying to uh, befriend people and, and selling product. It's, it's not an easy, easy thing to do. But uh, with Kelly's support and uh, some good people around me, some good training, I, I managed to stick it out and uh, climb the ladder. And I've been in uh, Key West Fort now with a great team. It's a family-run business. Oh, nice. For, uh, it's kind of, I'm getting into my eighth year, starting January. Nice. So, yeah, no, it's, a, it's still a team environment. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it's been providing for the family, and I feel like I'm not sitting idly by, so it's, yeah. it's been good. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Good. Well, Key West Fort and New West, if you need If need you a need a car. Go see Ivan. Yeah, but speaking of family, you've got you've got uh, obviously Kelly, and you got two great kids. You know, uh, Colson, who is uh, well, he's multi-talented, but uh, the, he just got one of his uh, belts in martial arts recently. Yeah, he became a junior black belt. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, he, uh, that's awesome. he started very young, and five and five and a half years it took him. He's ten now, and yeah. he's uh, hopefully making this his uh, a lifetime hobby and. There's some great qualities uh, outside of physicality of it and all that stuff is, yeah. is the, is the uh, principles of black belt and how to live your life. Yeah. And uh, I'm really, uh, really fortunate. Uh, Kelly Ewan, his, uh, his martial art practice in Coquitlam has been really uh, great help in helping us raise Colson and instill qualities in him. Yeah. And unfortunately, you, you are the home punching bag for him. I've seen him <laughs> attack you. I, uh, my, one of my favorite movies growing up was Pink Panther. Yeah. So I have my own Pink Panther. I have my own Kato when I come home, which is great. Uh, we have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Uh, as long as he stays away from my solar plex, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lola is uh, uh, your daughter. She's multi-talented. She writes her own songs, plays guitar, like... Yeah. yeah, you got two, uh, two great kids. Or Thank you, brother. Quite amazing. My, my mom uh, was a, a very accomplished actress and a singer back in Czechoslovakia. Right? Yeah, so she, right. I never got those genes. No, so skip no, the generation. No. It got skipped right by me. <laughs> Although in the bathroom when I'm singing, I think I do. Uh, and it got passed on to Lola. Uh, she's doing really, really well. And she knows how to play guitar now, writes her songs, and, yeah. and uh, really enjoys that artistic side of it. And it's nice. We yeah. have a little bit of both. Colson is more into sports, and Lola's yeah. into uh, arts and music. And yeah. it's very enjoyable. Very, very blessed, and yeah. uh, surrounded by great family, great friends. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, it'll continue. Yeah. No, I've heard I've heard her stuff, and she's an excellent songwriter and and performer. Like she's she's got some you know some real talent that uh, as long as she enjoys it that's the main thing but she is actually really good so thank you hopefully I know she they, gets gets some opportunities to just you know how wherever she wants to take that you know that's uh, hopefully she can continue with that so yeah, that, very cool very yeah. cool but uh 
Well, thank you very much, bud. I, uh, again, playing, you know, with you and, and under your leadership in Cardiff for two years as my captain, you know, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. It's, uh, you're always a guy that led by example, whether it was on the ice or off the ice, whether that was in a good way or a bad way, it didn't matter. You were always leading. Um, but, uh, yeah, just some great memories and, like you said, you know, the team we had there with, uh, you know, Paul Heavey and Andy French, you know, for coach and manager. And then, you know, the, the team we had there with, you know, Thornton and Hodgey and Chinny and Vez and Merv and, you know, just the list goes on and on. Frankie Evans. Great and, players, great, great characters. Um, yeah, sure. nothing but great memories. And, uh, yeah, it's so cool that you and I have been able to, you know, to sort of hang out the last few years being both in Vancouver area. So... But uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your stories. I, I don't know anybody that anybody that uh, you know went through what you had to go through in order to to try and take a shot at your dream, and you ended up playing 18 years of professional as well as you know you played for your your country, the national team, and and all that. And uh, yeah, just a, a real real solid, well earned career. So. Uh, really appreciate having you on and appreciate your friendship and uh, yeah brother thank you so much thanks for having me uh, you know, I feel blessed uh, my dream never realized to play in NHL but along the way maybe it was a you know thing that had to happen to me and along with you I made a lot of great friends and very fortunate you know uh, and very blessed yeah well, very cool well thank you my friend Thank you, Mac. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate and uh, yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And uh, special thanks again to my guest, Mr. Ivan Matulik. And hopefully you'll uh, you'll join us on another episode first off the bench. But uh, until we see you next time, take care and uh, ciao for now. We'll, thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. See you soon. All the best. Cheers, buddy. All right. Um, see you next time. It's a wrap. That's, that's a wrap, man. That's a raptor. That's a raptor. <laughs> that's awesome.